All right, we are accepting calls this hour from time travelers only. If you have traveled in time or you are presently a traveler to this time, then we want to hear from you. Otherwise, the phone lines are closed, but for that group, they are certainly open. Uh, with that in mind, uh, top of the morning to you on the wild card line. You are on the air. Hello. Hello. How you doing? This is the Infinite Fringe. Hope everybody is doing well. Um, putting out a little bit more consistent episodes for all of you. All of you. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, that's it, man. Uh, we have a, a friend of mine that I haven't had on. Uh, apparently, I haven't had a conversation like this with him in eight months. This is what Skype is telling me. Um, I, I do speak to him, you know, uh, uh, periodically uh, via text, you know, but but. Uh, haven't had him on the show in eight months which is which is really sad and tragic and it needs to be fixed so i'm going to try to make a concerted effort to get this man on a little bit more often it's mr wayne mccroy ladies and gentlemen he is back right here on the infinite fringe wayne what is going on how are you doing good billy good to hear from you man it's been a while uh, we haven't really talked like this in a while like you said it's yeah. it's amazing just how quickly time has passed here and you know you're busy doing your thing. I'm busy with my thing. And, you know, we do meet, need to make more of an effort to have these conversations a little more frequently. I Absolutely. Think, because we both have a lot to contribute. So I was, um, that's a good thing. I had the pleasure of, of meeting you in person at Shoot the Moon, which is, you know, a year and a half ago almost now. Um, uh, but, you know, we'll do it again. You know, we'll, we'll, we might get you on a documentary or so at something. And when things open up, uh, I'll probably have a. Uh, uh, no mask, no vaccine required event that everybody can come to. And uh, and we will, uh, you know, put on a show for everyone. That would be kind of cool. Wayne, what is going on with you? You have, uh, you know, you're an author. The Alchemical Tech Revolution uh, is uh, is uh, displayed proudly on, uh, on my, uh, I don't know, I don't know what to call it. I can't call it a library because it's not big enough to call it a library, but my small, humble collection of alternative media books. And uh, I need an autograph, by the way. I never did get one. But you have a new book out right now that I want to talk to you about. Should have had you on a lot earlier for this. I know you made the rounds and you did some publicity on it. Um, but not here on the fringe. And I want to talk to you about it. Uh, Cybernetic Messiah, Building the Antichrist System. It is available right now on Amazon. Com. Go check it out. $9.99 for the Kindle version. Let me tell you, Wayne makes these books incredibly simple to read, right? I am not the best reader in the world, so I need, uh, you know, the, the simpler the better, and, and I can get through Wayne's books fairly easily. So uh, they're, they're easily digestible. So don't be afraid. Go pick it up, and uh, odds are you're going to love it, uh, whether you agree with it or disagree with it. What's the, what's the inspiration behind it? What made you do it, sir? 
Well, basically, uh, you know, looking at the world around us and seeing the shape and the condition we're in, I decided to go back and kind of lay down the foundations of uh, the social engineering science that's been put in place, which is the heart and soul of the Antichrist system, because it's all about socially engineering the people uh, into a certain uh, frame of mind. So I laid down the foundational aspects of that drawn from ancient philosophy, mythology, religion, and modern science all melded together into one because these are the control systems and structures that the controlling class of this world use. These are the, the tools that they use. And, uh, you know, I, I lay down some source material for that. Uh, things like a book called The Changing Images of Man, uh, which lays out in no uncertain terms the way that the social controllers use archetypes, archetypal ideas from mythology, from religion, from philosophy, and from science. They use these four different uh, foundational aspects of things to steer the agendas that they want in this world. And they've laid the foundation for this antichrist system, as I call it, with that. And this leads directly into things such as cybernetics and transhumanism, which seems to be a hot topic that I cover all the time because it, it doesn't matter where I look, Billy. Everywhere I go, it's all pointing in the same direction. It all points towards this transhumanist goal. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't matter you know, what portion of quote-unquote conspiracy culture you look at, uh, the big granddaddy of all these conspiracies is is always transhumanism. Right, right. Uh, yeah. That's the bottom line when it comes down to it. 100. That's everywhere it leads. Right, the, the, the big granddaddy, right, and no matter where you look, but not only that, it's legit. It's legit. We can prove it, right? We can prove that there's something up. We can prove that there's something coming down the road. This is something that we should actually look at, right, as the alternative media. You know, so, uh, and we've talked about it, you and I, before, about this system, but I want you to uh, give the people a quick breakdown of uh, what that Antichrist system is. You know, you, you refer to it often, you know, this is what I refer to as the Antichrist system. Just get a little deeper into what that means and, and what that entails, if you don't mind. Yeah, man, certainly. Uh, we could definitely do that. Uh, basically, what this entails is they've they've for many 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 years now and probably going back decades even centuries who knows maybe even millennia they've been laying the base of this antichrist system which will ultimately look like a uh, total panoptagon artificial intelligence control grid when it's all set up and snapped into place but they've been laying the foundations of this for generations and see that that's the thing because this whole idea stems back to the ancient mystery schools uh, back in antiquity, these uh, different groups that have spawned forward through time, these many different secret societies that uh, use these secret uh, structures in order to achieve whatever goals it is they're looking for. And, uh, you know, that, that goes back to looking at uh, a control structure that most people aren't willing to accept because uh, it kind of violates their whole uh, cognitive dissonance type of a mentality when you look at it. Uh, what you need to realize is when you go back into antiquity and look at these mystery schools, okay, and the things that they taught and the secrets that they kept from the masses, this is what was used to set up the current power structure. Um, these men have used secrecy as an absolute tool of control for the longest time, from time immemorial, from before written records existed. And that's one of the main things 
that uh, is going on with this. And that's one of the main aspects of this that I cover in the new book, because people need to understand where the foundations of this whole idea lie, first of all. And it all ties back to occultism. It ties back to secret societies. It ties back to the mystery schools of antiquity. Uh, and so when you look at these different things and the different ways that they use uh, psychology, like social psychology, to steer the masses and control the masses, uh, it all ties back to these different orders, okay, these secret orders. And when it comes down to it, essentially, the people that run the world are a secret priest class that controls things. They believe in this uh, uh, mystery religion of sorts, if you could call it a religion. Some people would refer to it more as a philosophy, and it kind of uh, lends credence to the idea of the, what they call the Luciferian philosophy, all these different ideas are kind of stemmed from the same place. And this goes back to these mystery schools, once again, in these teachings. Now, these mystery schools in antiquity, they spread all across the world, the known world, all across the many continents. And they had many different faces on them, many guises. But at the center, it was all the same thing at the topmost levels of it. And this is how these secret societies today operate. So when you look around, you see Freemasons, you see Rosicrucians, you see all these different secret societies all over the world, always talked about uh, at the topmost levels of these power structures is the same small group of controlling factions within there that constitutes a secret priestcraft that actually runs the world. And I look at these different ideas in the book and I've also more recently been posting on my YouTube channel, Alchemical Tech Revolution, uh, different ideas relating to this. In their own words, I go back and I look through uh, many of their texts, like the most recent uh, one that I'm working on is a series called Unseen Forces. And this is based on a book uh, written by Manly P. Hall, if anybody's ever heard of Manly P. Hall. I'm sure nobody has that listens to the show. I'm, so, <laughs> I'm sure nobody knows. Yeah, man, but... Uh, Manly P. Hall is held up as one of the uh, highest occultists and, and most well-regarded occultists of the 20th century. And he wrote this book, which was titled Unseen Forces, discussing some of the beliefs that these different secret society groups have and, you know, how they view different aspects of the world, how they view different forces that we can't see as being controlling in this reality that we're in. Things like elementals. Ideas like elementals being a thing. And many people aren't aware of much of this stuff because most of the time you just get, uh, you know, the the uh, the front, front porch dressing of like masonry or something like that. Oh, yeah, they got their secret handshakes. It's the old boys club. You want a, a deal on a car down at the car dealership or whatever. You got to be in good with these guys and, you know, the secret password and the handshake and stuff. And it's the old boys club. And that's how most people view it. And that's what it is on the surface, but at the highest, most levels in these different uh, secret society groups is this secret priestcraft that actually runs things in this world, uh, that control major corporations, control the banking system. Uh, it's at these topmost levels that these people uh, rub elbows with each other and know each other, and it's the same small circle throughout all of these different uh, secret societies. So you have members in high standing within, uh, like, say, the 33rd degree of, of Freemasonry, well, guess what? They're also 
highly ranked Rosicrucians. They're highly ranked in these various other secret orders. And there's a lot of them. There's, there's more of these secret orders than what people know. And they all tie together at the topmost levels. See, and this is what has commonly been known in modern parlance as the quote-unquote Illuminati. That's, that's the, t the title that they've taken on. Now, the Illuminati is an actual real group that existed. Uh, as they'll say in the, the mainstream history, they'll tell you that this group was founded in 1776 by Adam Weishaupt, blah, 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 blah. But it was disbanded in 1790 and no longer exists. That's not true. I have actual, <laughs> I have actual books that say on them, Temple of the Illuminati. Yeah. Okay, that are copyright dates 1914, 1913. Wow. Temple of the Illuminati. Uh, so that's an outright lie. That's an obfuscation by the secret societies. This secret order does exist to some degree or another. The Illuminati is a very real thing. But that's only a small fraction of these secret societies. That's kind of an outer covering of sorts. I would say that's kind of a mid-range covering within the secret orders of things. But... Uh, Anyway, I know I'm kind of getting a little mm. off topic, but at the same oh, time, no, no, it's, it's all on topic. Right, right. Uh, because uh, when you begin digging down deep into these things, you find all these different levels of these different secret societies yeah. interrelate, these different degree systems and stuff like that. And they all cross over, and they all stem from the same small group of beliefs. And uh, they all come from these mystery school teachings of antiquity. And many of them have become convoluted through the years and uh, have been perverted from what maybe some of the original intentions of some of the really good, decent people within these societies intended. Right. But uh, in my view, I, I think secrecy can really not hold anything good when it comes down to it. Why, if this is above board, does it have to be secret? And, you know, like the national intelligence agencies and stuff would cite things like national security as reasons for secrecy and stuff like that. But anything that's done above board doesn't need to be done in the darkness, in the secret places. You I, know what I I'm agree. saying? I agree with you. Like uh, in, in particular with uh, with the political class, if if you're going to be involved in politics, I, I think that it, everything is is up for grabs at that point. You no longer have a private life if you're going to try to run my life. Right. We need to know everything about you. Right. But let me play devil's advocate real quick. Right. And let me let, let's say that I am the Illuminati. Right. And uh, Wayne McCroy is the Illuminati. Both of us hold the secrets <laughs> to the world. We have uh, the secret of eternal youth. We have uh, the secret of life. Uh, you know, God's name, the whole deal. We have figured it out. Right. But. Um, we're good people. Wayne is a good person. I'm a good person, right? And, and we have these secrets and, and we're going back and forth. It's struggle. Should we let the rest of the world know? Are they ready for this knowledge, right? Are they ready? Do, are they mature enough as a species to be able to handle what we have and we're protecting? And we only let in those who we think can handle you know, the information. And if they can't handle the information, there's no way out. Once you're in, you're in. And if you want out, you have to die. That's just the way it is, right? So that's, uh, that's kind of the rationale that the Illuminati use, right? They're like, we are not ready, right? It's, it's, like, it's like the discovery of fire to a young kid, right? And he's running through the forest with a, 
with a, you know, a, a, a branch that's lit on fire and, and he's warm and he can cook stuff, but he's also burning down the forest around him because he has no idea what he's using. Right. So give me your thoughts on that. Do you, you, you st- I mean, I, I understand the abo- above board thing. I understand the secrecy. It has no place in our society, but does it depending on, uh, on how, how extreme these secrets are. Go ahead. Give me your thoughts. Well, here's my thoughts on that whole situation. Yes, that is the rationale a lot of them actually use for the secrecy and for all of these things. But when you actually explore and dig deep into many of their own writings and stuff like that, you find that, uh, and here's what I've found, and this is my personal experience from researching this. I've spent the better part of, oh, what, say, um, 17 years, 16, 17 years looking at this in earnest and doing actual deep research into this stuff. Uh my viewpoint is this. When you finally get to the topmost levels of these secret orders, the guys pulling the string at the strings at the top, they're just leading you down the primrose path. See, that's what it is. There's not really this secret of, quote-unquote, eternal youth or, uh, you know, these secrets of the ages, uh, this, you know, this hidden knowledge. To a degree, they do have some hidden knowledge from us that they keep from us. And some of it is useful and, and that kind of thing. But at the topmost levels, when it comes to that thing, the secret, the biggest secret is there's no secret. Okay. It's wow. just about controlling people. <laughs> wow. That's what it is. Wow, wow, it's wow. about controlling people. It's about dangling that carrot before them to get them to do what you want them to do. Wow. You keep dangling that carrot before them. Oh, well. And here's the thing. They, and they build this right into their own writings all the time. I don't know how many things I've read. Well, if, if a, an initiate is worthy enough, then he can do X, Y, and Z. Like you could, you could invoke these, you know, mystical powers if you're pure enough of heart. And, and you know, if you've, uh, you know, if you're, if you're true and tried and true and like they, they talk like they have these special abilities or whatever, that they're the masters, they have these special abilities and, uh, only if you are worthy and and you've done good enough, you've followed the orders good enough and uh, done the great work good enough to a high enough level and obeyed. And that's the important one of the most important things they put in there. You obey the uh, the commands and stuff they give you. You do what they tell you without question. And if you do that and you're obedient to the orders of these, uh, you know, high adepts at the top levels of the power structure, and you're found worthy, then you can attain these powers. Guess what? Nobody ever attains the powers. Wow. It's all Wayne. about control. Wow. And Wayne. that's just what I've like. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the thing. When you actually read it, they always put these caveats in. Well, only somebody who's truly worthy would be able to do this. If you have, a, you know, a pure enough mind or high enough mind, if you've advanced far enough in the craft, if you've done this and that. You know, then and only then can you achieve this high and lofty goal wow. of achieving these wow, different things. Wow, wow, two two it, things, Wayne. Two things I want I want to I want to plug into the conversation. First off, you failed the test. I can't give you the secret of youth, and I can't tell you guys' <laughs> name. I really wanted you to pass, but you just didn't. Okay, so that's out of the question. But regardless, when when you said, um, you know, there is no secret. I don't know if you've ever seen Kung Fu Panda. Right, but I haven't seen Kung Fu Panda. Watch Kung Fu. First off, it's fantastic. Okay, so watch watch Kung Fu Panda. I know you don't have kids anymore. Watch it for yourself. 
You know, your kids oh, are growing. Is what plenty I mean. of kids. Right, but they're pretty. No, not all of them. What, 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 what age is your youngest? Uh, my youngest actually is 19 months. So, and my oldest is 28. So, wow, <laughs> I got Wayne. a lot of kids, dude. Damn, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've been busy. Fantastic. Yeah, Congratulations. I didn't even know about this, man. Good good for you. Good for you. Um, well, when the 19-month-old gets a little older, put on Kung Fu Panda. Watch it, right? Okay. And and um and uh it's fantastic. I you know, I, I got kids, I got two of them. They're getting older and they don't care about this stuff as much anymore. But you know, I, I relate with pandas. Pandas are my favorite animal. I love them so much. They're beautiful, you know, and they look cuddly and you want to go, you know, hug them. But they'll freaking tear your head off, you know, <laughs> so be careful. I don't know. They remind me of me. I like pandas. But regardless, there was this thing called the Dragon Scroll, if I remember properly. And it, it held like the secrets of all ages, right? It was the thing and it was protected at all cost. And uh, only, uh, you know, somebody that was the chosen, the chosen one would be able to access the scroll. And uh, at the end of the movie, of course, it was the Kung Fu Pandas, Poe, right? Jack Black played him. And, uh, and he, he has the dragon scroll. Um, actually, I think the, the enemy got it first. Regardless, you, you opened it. I forget, forget. I haven't seen this in a while, but they opened up the scroll and all it was, there was nothing on it. There was no writing, no nothing. All it was is a reflection. You saw yourself in the reflection and they go, there is no secret. You are, you know, the key. It's you, you know what I mean? Like, that's it. Like so deep, you know, and, and it's true though. It's true. Right. Um, ultimately, you're the guy with the power, Wayne McCroy or, or, or BRV or anybody that's listening. Right. We, we are the ones that that can manifest our own destinies and create what we need to create on this planet. As soon as we realize that we'll be a lot better off, in my opinion. Right. But um, that took me right back when you said there is no secret. Right. I want to believe. Right. And here we go. I, I, I've been on this kick that a lot of conspiracy culture is I want to believe you want to believe these things i want to believe openly I'll, I'll say this and i'll I admit it that i want to believe that there is a secret i want to believe that there is something more I, I i know i think i know anyway that there's something more to the human race and i want to believe that it is somewhere maybe the the library of alexandria had some of this figured out you know what i mean or even before that right the sumerians or the people at quebec uh, tepe Whatever, maybe they had it all figured out and they were ever able to levitate and move rocks with their hands and all this other stuff. The original mystery schools, right, back in the day, in your estimation, Wayne, were they evil? In my view, no, I don't think they were wholly evil, okay? I think they had good factions and bad factions and, you know, many of the teachings were actually based upon the natural world and things we see in the natural world. And I think some people held these different things in higher regard than others. And there were those who were self-seeking who used some of this information for their own benefit, not the benefit of others. And through the ages, many of these ideas have become perverted. And uh, especially up in the modern era many of these ideas have become perverted. So I don't think, uh, even at, in the secret societies today, there's good people, there's good factions in there, and there's bad people. Uh, the problem right now is it's the ones at the top right now are mostly of this, uh, uh, how should we say, they're, they're, they're the dark occultists that run this place. Uh, let's, let's put it that way. 
at the topmost levels of the power structure today are the dark occultists running things. Uh, there are some good people within these different factions and and uh, different secret societies and stuff that do try to uh, maybe get some information out to the public now and again, um, and, you know, different ideas and, you know, that kind of thing. And there's always that back and forth power struggle. But by and large today, uh, the people that are really running the show in this world, the ones that have kind of seized the reins of power from within these secret groups and these secret societies are by and large just looking to benefit themselves. They're looking for the benefits of these different ideas that were promulgated back in the ancient mystery schools. Things like immortality, okay? Having total control of your environment. All these different promises uh, that they feel were conveyed right. through these secret teachings, okay? These different ideas, this being able to... Uh, have a mastery of the world around you, to master yourself, to master your environment, to master uh, the control of others. See, that's kind of how this became perverted, because in the original teachings of the mystery schools, it's all about self, okay? It's all about finding yourself, okay, and achieving mastery of the self. But see, the problem with that has become, through the ages, They've used the different tenets of uh, what we would call human psychology today to manipulate others. And uh, they did this largely through things like secrecy. is still the number one uh, mind control tool used today. Secrecy. It's a big mind control tool. It's what these people use. That's what I said. They keep dangling that carrot in front of you. Oh, further knowledge, further knowledge. You can have more light. See, that's, that's the tool they use. And when you have this more light... You'll know more. You'll understand the secrets of the universe. Yeah, and they dangle that carrot in front oh, of you God. to get you to do what they want. And that's kind of where it goes from there. I mean, so this is one of the big secrets. They use secrecy. That's a control tool. Okay? It's mind control programming. It's one of the most basic forms of it. And they've become masters of this. See, the other part of that is if they do know information that you don't, they could utilize that information to their benefit and to your detriment. And they do that in spades today. And that's one of the things that has really kind of become perverted. And then they do this under the guise of don't cast your pearls before swine. You've heard that before. Anybody right. that looks at these secret societies, don't cast your pearls before swine. They'll, they'll like take a piece of scripture and pervert it in that way. Okay. And to a degree, yeah, I mean, I could kind of understand if you're telling somebody something they don't understand, it's word salad to them, and they're not going to garner any meaning from it. And, you know, there's a time and a place for trying to choose your words carefully in that kind of a way. But uh, that is kind of a, a different take on don't cast your pearls before swine than what they use now. See, they, they want to make sure that they keep some of these control tools that they use secret from the public so the public doesn't catch on that they're being manipulated. They're very good at this. Uh, you know, a lot of these tie back to the old hermetic principles. And these I covered in my first book, The Alchemical Tech Revolution. Right. Uh, many of these ideas, they've kind of kept hidden from man or they've hidden them in plain sight or tried to make uh, light of them. You know what I mean? In, in ways of, oh, that's just silly nonsense. That's old superstitious nonsense, that kind of thing. But there's a very real power to them. And they've also done the same thing with other tools that they use that exist in the natural world. Things like astrology, okay? There's 
there's real energies and stuff that they harness through astrology. That's why they time everything in these astrological ways. But they've taken the term astrology and turned it into foolishness in the modern age. See, anybody that believes in horoscopes or astrology, that's all nonsense. Right, right. You see how they push these kind of ideas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've completely, they've completely uh, just turned the public mind away from accepting some of these ideas that have been known from time immemorial, even to like the peasant classes of ancient times. Uh, many of them were way smarter than we are today. Oh, they understood times. how the world works right, right. way more than we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, symbology, symbolism, they use this in many different ways too. This is also used as a form of mind control. Symbols, uh, just simple things like that, symbols. Uh, look at uh, corporate logos. Uh, you see a... Uh, uh, a green mermaid. Picture a green mermaid. What company do you think of? Starbucks. See? Right. You see what I did there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mind control of a, of a sort. You yeah. associate that symbol with a thing. Right. And now I want a cup of coffee because I said it, you know? <laughs> but it's, it's simple things like that. But these control tools, these controllers, you know, in places of power in this world, they're very aware of them and they use them all the time. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the things that I've really wanted people to get a hold of is there's a lot of different uh, basic foundations that have been laid down in this world that are used as archetypes of control. And these are, this idea of archetypes is an important thing, too, because it, it speaks to the unconscious mind. Okay, It goes beyond your conscious awareness and speaks to the unconscious mind. And these controllers in places of power in this world – they're very aware of these ideas, and they use them all the time to steer the public consciousness. Okay, They can implant subtle ideas into the, the collective unconscious, per se, and manipulate the, uh, the conscious public with these ideas. And we see that going on today, even, just you know through these different forms of control. And one of the key forms of control they use is through emotional stimulus. They use primarily the emotion of fear as a control tool. Yeah. Uh, they motivate people through fear, and they could pretty much get them to do whatever they want if they could keep that fear narrative going. And we see that being done in spades through the media all the time. That's the, one of the primary emotions that they, they like to hit on is that fear motive. And because it's one that could control people quickly, easily, and uh, pretty much totally for the most part. The only thing to fear is uh, fear itself, right? Right. Absolutely true. Um, and as far as astrology and all these things that are demonized, right? Um, predominantly in the West, you know, because in, in other cultures around the world, they're still um, looked at as legit. But yet these things, these ideas, they persist, you know? No matter how they weaponize them or, or how they try to demonize them, they still persist. It's like they still bubble up to the top of the of, of the ocean somehow, even though they try to keep it all the way at the bottom. It's it's just kind of impossible. It just keeps coming back. I want to get into some key aspects of your book before we get up out of here. But I do want to ask you about Manly, Manly P. Hall since you brought him up, right? He triggers people left and right, right? I think there's a lot to learn from Manly P. Hall. I listen to Manly P. Hall uh, uh, lectures and people, oh my God, what are you doing? You're a Freemason. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 that's not the case. Uh, he actually uh, 
It's a very smart man, right? Very smart guy. Oh, absolutely. Um, no doubt about that. Incredible charisma, uh, and you can learn a lot from this. And even if you disagree, you can still learn a lot from uh, listening to a Manly uh, P. Hall lecture, right? I, I tried putting some up on the fringe, and we got visceral reactions. They're like, oh, my God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, my God, you know, you're an agent. I'm like, okay, buddy, whatever you say. Um <laughs> But, uh, but you know, you, even, if they, even if you view, not you, Wayne, but people, if, if they view Manly P. Hall as an enemy, they should want to know. You know, you want to know what your enemy's doing, right? You want to know what they're thinking, how they're, how they're operating, how they move. Um, but there's a lot to be learned from, from uh, the mind of Manly P. Hall. And there's so many lectures out there, man. In your opinion, is he evil? And is it, is his information evil? <laughs> Go ahead and tell me, please. Whatever whatever say, you think is fine. Yeah, I would say by and large, Manly P. Hall. He had a lot of good stuff to teach as well. Uh, would I say he was evil? No, I don't think he was necessarily evil. I think he was misled, uh, much like most of these people that join these secret societies are. Now, here's the thing, though. They do offer up a lot of really good practical information right. and true things right. along with uh, the distorted views of things that they give. See, that's the whole key. They give you 99% good food, but 1% poison with it. And that's that's the hook, right. uh, the 1% poison uh, at the end of the hook there is, is what's the, the bad part. Yeah. But uh, there is a lot of good information to be garnered from it. And uh, he was a highly intelligent man. Whether you agree with his viewpoints or not, you could still learn a lot from him. And like you said, that's absolutely the case. If you want to understand um, what tools and weapons your enemy is using against right, you, right. you study yes, your enemy exactly. to know who he is. So if you view this as the enemy, which uh, I would say that there's a small percentage within these secret societies that are the true enemy, but they're sadly the ones that have uh, grabbed hold of the reins of power right. and are, are weaponizing these things against us. So if you want to understand them, you need to understand, first of all, what do they believe? Okay, so whether you believe any of that stuff or not is immaterial. What you need to understand is there are people in positions of power in this world that absolutely do believe and act on these beliefs right. uh, in a lot of this stuff. And the things that they do with those beliefs and for those beliefs will affect you in some way. So when you realize that and you want to look at this and understand what motivates them, uh, that's a good place to look is a guy like Manly P. Hall. Right. He's written a lot of things. He was a... Um, a very lucrative writer. Uh, he was a lecturer. Uh, he does put out a lot of really good material, a lot of useful knowledge, beneficial knowledge, but also he also uh, puts out what some of the secret teachings within these various orders are and were and uh, the things that they believe. And, and many of this stuff is written in esoteric format, so they'll give you a different exoteric story on the surface and only if you have the key or the cipher to know uh, the symbology well enough to know what's actually being talked about underneath the surface then you could garner the meaning and, and many of these secret societies this is how they write they write with an underlying esoteric message in their exoteric writing see because many of the truly secret secrets that they teach right. are only given in verbal form from teacher to student in that way. 
they do not necessarily write this stuff down verbatim, like literally what they mean. They'll write it down in coded language. That's how they do things. And that's why they use symbols, too, because they symbolize this stuff in this the coded language of symbology. So that only somebody who has the right key or cipher to understand that level of meaning that they're putting out there will understand the message that's right. being conveyed. Right. And that way they can hide messages in plain sight, uh, communicating with other initiates or, or people within the group without keying off the public that they're doing so. Right. They do this all the time. And, and many of these different symbols and uh, different beliefs, there's different layers of meaning, like especially within the teachings. Uh, and a lot of them draw heavily from mythology, mythological archetype once again. So if you understand... Uh, one of these layers of meaning from the basic mythological foundation that they put out there, you could read so much more in some of the writings. And that's something that's really lost today. We're not taught uh, the classic education like we once were. People don't have a basis in mythology and, you know, uh, the, the trivium and quadrivium, things of that mm. nature. Learning logic and rhetoric, uh, the ancient... Uh, philosophies, the philosophical schools, the, the platonic ideas, the, the ideas of Pythagoras, these different things. People aren't taught that in school anymore. And if you don't have a basis in that, then you miss a lot of the hidden meanings that they put out in these things. So it's an important idea to understand that there's levels of meaning in all these different writings. And if you understand uh, the symbology they're using, you could read a whole different meaning in a certain passage that way. And Manly P. Hall writes that way as well. Yeah. But like I said, do I think he was an evil guy? No, I don't think so. I think he legitimately thought he was doing good. I think he was misled at the top most levels of things. But, you know, uh, aren't we all misled to some degree or Everybody, another? brother. Everybody. Right. That's the secret at the, at, at, from the Dragon Scroll. It's you, and you're misled. <laughs> That's part two. Pretty much. <laughs> That's it. That's the thing. I mean, we all have our different take on right. things. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just been my experience. When you dig deep, there's no secret at the end of the rope there. Yeah. That's the whole key. Yeah. It's, there's not really a secret that, uh, like, this all-encompassing secret that they want you to believe is there. It's not there. Wow. Now, they, they wow. do have certain things that they teach about how the world operates, the natural world and stuff that isn't public knowledge for people. Uh, because largely a lot of that has been poo pooed by our modern society, especially here in the West. Like a lot of these ideas have been, uh, dismissed as being silly or, you know, uh, what, what would they call it? Uh, fairy tales and things like that. They, they dismiss a lot of this information because it can't be scientifically quantified. And that's, basically kind of where they've steered us. And that's one of the important uh, aspects of this whole control structure that uh, we've been given is they want to be able to quantify everything. If it can't be counted, it, it doesn't exist. See, that's why our science is largely based upon mathematics. And when, when you look at any form of science these days, it's all math. That's what it's about. If they can't count it, it doesn't exist. That's why they've come up with... Uh, you know, these different ideas in physics of the quote unquote, the particle zoo and this and that. It's all about basic fundamental particles that they can count or measure. If they can't count or measure it, it doesn't exist. And that's a, a frame of mind that they've steered us into, which isn't correct when it comes down to it. Because the, in 
our world, there's only ever been two different forms of science that everything could be based on, especially physics, if you want to say physics. There's what they call the philosophy of atomism, where everything's made up of basic fundamental particles, or the philosophy of the ether, where this is the substrate of reality that everything exists in. This is the medium in which all things move. Uh, think of it kind of in terms of water or being in the ocean. We all exist within this medium. And these are opposing views. And right now, the people in control have steered us into the viewpoint of this atomism-type philosophy, where everything needs to be counted and quantized. Thus, we have the cult of quantum. That's why everything is quantum. That's why they push these, this quantum idea and uh, try to uh, merge it into a single model of physics with other ideas like relativity and, and these different ideas, which really doesn't hold water if you look at it uh, as compared to the ether physics theories. And you have to go back to like the early 1900s and late 1800s to really get a good look at what the concept of ether physics and stuff looked at at that point, uh, because they were onto some real discoveries there. And then along comes Einstein and pretty much puts out this one theory, his theory of relativity, and everybody throws away the whole concept of ether, even though it's never been disproven. And they, they always cite the uh, Michelson-Morley experiment as disproving it, when in fact it did not disprove it. If anything, it proved that there was an ether. <laughs> so, but we could go, there's so many different uh, trains of thought we could go down with that. But basically, what we need to really understand is we've been fed a certain type of information. And that certain type of information always lines up with mathematics, which is great as a descriptor, but doesn't necessarily uh, explain anything, okay? You could apply math to prove anything that you want. And this is done all the time in scientific papers, too, like we were discussing off-air in the beginning. You've yeah. been reading a lot of them. Yeah. They could use math to show whatever they want right. just by cherry-picking data or uh, – manipulating data in different ways. So they could use math to show any result they want. And that's one of the things that's been going on. They try to make this uh, objective measurement of things that may be subjective. And just because something's subjective does not make it less true. And that's where we're kind of at right now. They've kind of brought the public mindset into the view of this whole scientism principle. Everything needs to be measured and and counted right, right. in order for it to be a real thing. The, the subjective has been poo-pooed, right? And, and it's not, it's not understood. And since it's not understood, that's why it's poo-pooed, right? They push it to the side like it's not a thing. But it is. We know that. <laughs> and I think they know it too, you know, and, uh, and they just don't want to deal with it because they don't know how, you know. But um, everything comes around, you know, full circle. So the ideas of the old will come back and be the ideas of the new. It's just the way it is. So uh, eventually, we may not live to see it, but eventually uh, things will come around. We only have a little bit of time left, Wayne. I want you to give me three things. Three things that you think are key from your book that you want to let everybody know so they can go over there and pick it up and read it. Tell me something. Okay. Uh, the first key thing is the foundations upon which, uh, you know, many of these ideas have been built. And that's going back and looking at things like the ideas of the elements, the classical philosophical elements, uh, earth, air, fire, and water, okay? 
many ideas have been built upon this and the archetypes have been built upon this. The number four in particular is a key that they use for foundations. I mean, even think of something as basic as a building. What do you do? You put the four corners up first. There's your foundation. Okay. That's elemental ideas. And I explore a lot of these ideas in the early parts of the book. Uh, and this kind of lays a framework for people to kind of get their thinking to a different way of thinking than what the modern world would have you uh, focus on. Okay. So that way you could understand and see as you look back, how these things have all been lined up and planned uh, to be laid in place as foundations to build upon. Uh, some of the other aspects that I would look at would be the merging with uh, what they would call the quote unquote priest class with the quote unquote state craft. So you have a priest craft and a state craft. And these two ideas uh, existed back in antiquity, um, going all the way back to a, a guy named Melchizedek in the Bible. See, he was the first priest king. Didn't he, he live to first... be like 900 years old or something like that? Melchizedek? Uh, that's Methuselah you're thinking of. But, so uh, how, how long Mel... was Melchizedek alive for? It was a long time. He lived a couple hundred years. Right, like I 300 remember. or something. I know he's in that range. Go ahead. Yeah, he was. But anyway, he was the first king of Salem, uh, which means peace. Uh, so he was the first king of Salem, and he was also the first to hold the dual class of priest and king. He was the very first priest king. So he held the office of priestcraft and the office of statecraft. Now, since then, those two things have been divided, okay? Uh, whereas countries had kings and they had priests, but there were no real uh, priest kings or king priests in the public view, okay? So the secret uh, controlling power behind the scenes through all of history and the different kingdoms of the world has always been the priestcraft, but the king or, you know, the, the statecraft, the statesman has always been the figurehead. Well, this held true up until the advent of the fall of the Roman empire, when they uh, used alchemical concepts to create an alchemical wedding between the priestcraft and the statecraft uh, in the Vatican. So this was a modern renewal of the idea of the priest king, Okay, but it's still incomplete. And this is one of the aspects that I look at in my book, because you see you have the body and the mind. See, those ideas are kind of uh, allegorized in the idea of the statecraft and the priestcraft. The statecraft would be the body. The priestcraft would be the mind. Okay, or actually, I think I have that backwards now that I'm thinking about it. Sorry about that. Your statecraft <laughs> would be the body, okay? The priestcraft would be the spirit mm. or the mind, okay? Right. The only thing missing is the soul. Now, for the soul of this, they want to merge uh, this idea of the priest king with the idea of technocracy, mm. okay? And build this into a control grid. Uh, so when, when you uh, get something like, say, artificial intelligence and uh, you can merge the idea of technology with statecraft and priestcraft, you have the ultimate panopticon control grid. Mm. Um, and this is the Antichrist system, in my view. They want to merge technology with these older ideas of the, the priest king, okay? They want it to be the total package. They're not just happy with a priest king. Uh, they want to be God. And they see this as their way to build themselves into God using this technocracy type system. 
And uh, they do this because uh, when you look back through the philosophies, the ancient philosophies, the human being, okay, we're a fourfold being when it comes down to it. We're body, mind, soul, and spirit, okay? So we're this four-square man, as they would call it in the, uh, the Masons, the group of Masons, okay? So in order to achieve— What's the difference—sorry to interrupt you, buddy, but what's the difference between spirit and soul? Spirit, okay, this goes back to the teachings of the uh, secret societies as well. Spirit, all living things have a spirit, okay? Now, in the secret societies, they believe that not all men even have a soul, that the soul is built through work, okay? This is the great work, the building of the soul wow. uh, from within, the achieving of an alchemical transmutation from being the animal to the higher-minded human, okay? to going from uh, what they would call the land of Egypt uh, into the greater realms. And that's done. This is all allegorized. If you want some really good reading, and this gets pretty deep, uh, look at, uh, once again, another book by Manley P. Hall that talks about, uh, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head now, but it talks about how the human spine is the center for this idea, this rising from the pelvic idea, the animal idea, to the higher-mindedness of the brain, up the spinal cord. And this is the kind of thing that they talk about. It's all allegorized in the human body, too, and it's all reflected in the human body. But this is what they believe. They believe that uh, man is an animal, okay, and he has animalistic instincts, and the great work is to rise above these animal instincts to become something greater, to, use your, to point your creative force upward. Okay, so that's that's why it's it, you know they're like obsessed with uh, the phallus and all these different ideas too. It's all about the creative force. Right. So when you get into looking at what it is they believe, they believe you could alchemically transmute yourself from being an animal being to being a higher human being and developing your soul so that you have this soul vehicle to pass on into the next world. That's and absolutely that, that's fantastic. That's a, it's, it's a beautiful message if you really think about it. I resonate with it. It, it is. Right. It, it is, and that's the thing. I mean, there's a lot of these loftier ideas included like within that, and that's what I say. There are some good teachings and stuff in there, but it's a loftier idea. But uh, I don't know if I nece necessarily agree with the concept that not all human beings have a soul, but that is at the heart of what some of this perversion that has rise to the top of the power structure sees. Right. See, that's why they view us as cattle and nothing more, because they think if you're not one of them, you're nothing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't have a soul. You don't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, and that's that's kind of the the premise that they look at things from, and that's why it's a dangerous idea yeah, yeah, yeah. in many different ways. So, uh, and that's why I also don't agree with that. I believe every human has a soul, and they differentiate between spirit and soul in that way. The soul is the focused spirit. The mind focused, uh, your entire being focused, uh, and this this harkens back to a lot of different mythological ideas. But for the sake of time, I don't <laughs> think we could really touch on a lot of that yeah, right yeah, now, because yeah. I could go on for another two hours. You know what? To we're gonna it. we're gonna bring you back so you can go on for another two hours on it. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. You know, and I would look at it like this: if we are really born without souls and we have to build them, the people saying that uh, we don't matter because we don't have souls. They're probably in the wrong and they're not building anything. 
you know, um, the, the evil and that, that that's evil. People that look at, at other people as, as expendable, that they don't matter. That is evil in my opinion. Um, and, um, those people will never come to building anything, you know, because they're chained to the bottom of the barrel. They, they, it's selfish thinking, you know, and, um, we have to rise above that at all costs. I, I think everybody has a soul too, but it's a beautiful idea to think that you can build it up. Right. I mean, just the way, the way they break it down, I think it's, it's very nicely done. Um, that's that, that. It was just interesting to me. I'm very interested by it. Manly P Hall, ladies and gentlemen, go check that out and uh, go check out the man right here. Mr. Wayne McCroy, who breaks it down like no other. I actually remember the last show we did now. Because uh, we broke down, well, you broke down uh, the coronavirus occultly in, in an occult yeah. manner. I remember you did that for me off the radio. Like we were just talking and you did it. And I was like, have you ever done this before? You're like, no, never. Done. Like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> Come on the show and break it down. So uh, we did that and that was fun. And that was uh, eight months ago before no, or right at at the pinnacle when this shit was popping off. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, we spoke about it and it was dope. And you can find it if you go dig back uh, on the episodes of The Infinite Fringe. You will find Wayne McCroy breaking that down. Hey, listen, Wayne, man, it's always fantastic to have you on. I think you did an excellent job as usual. Interesting as hell. Please tell everybody where they can find your book, man. All right. Uh, I could be found at alchemicaltechrevolution at gmail.com if anybody wants to contact me directly. Uh, I have a YouTube channel right now that's called Alchemical Tech Revolution. Right where I actually have just been reading the writings of many of these occult writers and laying out the, you know, what it is exactly they believe mm -hmm. in their own words. Uh, that way, you know, there's no denying that they've said this or written this or that they believe this. Uh, and some of these ideas, they don't necessarily line up with what the masses would like. Right. Uh, but <laughs> Anyway, I've been exposing a lot of that on my channel lately. Also, I could be found every Wednesday night at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Secrets of Saturn YouTube channel. Uh, my uh, friend Jason Lindgren and I usually uh, have uh, different guests on and stuff and talk about different topics. Uh, many times Pro 777 actually joins us as well. And uh, I could also uh, be found over on my Facebook page, Files from the Conspiratorium. That's where I post most of like the the news stories and i do have several books out there now uh that are available through amazon or pretty much any other fine book retailer at this point and i also am a frequent guest and contributor over on crow triple seven radio uh people could check me out on those different platforms fantastic wayne thank you for coming on the infinite fringe and blessing us with a, a little bit of of your knowledge and your research we really appreciate it we need to have you back it's not going to be eight months uh, since uh, we do this again, okay? We're going to try to make it a little bit more uh, often. Let's try, to, let's try to do that. So my name is Billy Ray Valentine. This is The Infinite Fringe. You guys take it easy, all right? Thank you for tuning in. Uh, you know where you can find me. Uh, hit me up at theinfinitefringe at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, complaints. And there are complaints, Wayne McCroy. There are plenty of complaints. Okay, so you guys <laughs> just call in and I'll try to freaking sort through them for you. Um, and that, that, that's about it. Okay. Billy, the kid walking on planks, you know, uh, robbing banks and doing all that stuff that I like to do best. Okay. Take it easy guys. Uh, thank you for tuning in yet again. Bye. -bye.